Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. One of the most exciting things about teaching antenatal classes in 2018 is that you realise that families grow in a huge variety of different ways. Gone are the days when you had to be married. Over the last six years, Kiara and I have seen women welcoming their babies into the world in all sorts of different circumstances. So today I am here with Kiara. Welcome, Kiara. And we've also got Mel Johnson. She's a life coach and the creator of the Stalk and I blog. Age 30, having split up from her fiancé, Mel thought she had plenty of time to meet the man of her dreams and start the family she so wanted. But age 36, after a million dates, she realised that instead of waiting for Mr Wright to walk into her life, if she wanted children, it might be worth taking matters into her own hands. So she ended up using a sperm donor, and in February 2017, Daisy was born. Mel, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, no worries. Thank you for having me. I can't tell you how happy that we're sitting here. Um, firstly, um, that you know you did this, that this is an option, because a generation ago, this just wasn't an option yeah. for, for single women who had that like time, ticking time clock. But also the fact that we're talking about it, the fact that you've created a platform in which people can seek advice and, and not feel alone. And I think that is so important. So thank you no <laughs> for worries. a start. No worries. <laughs> really happy to be able to talk about it so. so going back to the beginning what made you sort of realize was there a sort of catalyst that made you sort of suddenly sit down do you remember that moment where you thought right now I'm going to have to look into something else so I think it was it was more of a, an ongoing process I guess so um I started considering it um like you say I was 30 when I was um single and I and I dated and I really you know I wasn't sitting on my sofa hoping to meet someone I was really out there dating um but for whatever reason unfortunately just never met anybody that was a turned into a long-term partnership um so I think you have this age of 35 in your mind where you start thinking, oh, that's the age that everyone talks about where your fertility starts to um, decline. And so I had this pressure of the age of 35. And so between 30 and 35, um, as I was dating, I, I started to think, what, what's going to happen if I don't meet um, somebody who I can have a baby with? Because it's just been my dream to become a mum. And I thought, I really don't want to have that dream taken away from me. So I did start to look at you know has anyone else been in this situation is there anything else that I could do 
Um, did you straight away look at sperm donors or did you think about freezing your eggs or going down that sort of route? Um, so I, look, I looked at everything. I thought I looked at adoption. I looked at sperm donors. I looked at freezing my eggs. I, looked, I, I, I thought, is, do I know anybody who might want to, to do it from a, you know, a, a partnership which is non-romantic? Um, so I, I thought about all of these things but just kept on being drawn to doing something on my own with a sperm donor. And did you talk about it to your family and friends right from the beginning and, and what were their reactions? Uh, the, the way I did it is I'm very close to my mum so um, and I knew my mum w- really wanted to be a grandmum and really wanted me to you know to be a mum because she knew how much it meant to me so I talked to my mum about it for, you know all the way through saying oh what's going to happen if I don't meet somebody and, and and explained that I was looking into this and she was super supportive from the beginning which makes it so much easier when you know that your family are behind you um with my friends um over time I, I i talked to more and more people the more i'd been thinking about it and everybody was supportive some people needed a bit of time to think about it and then they came back to me and said yeah i, I get it I, I think it's a good idea um, i haven't actually had anyone personally that i know in my life who was against the idea because they knew i'd really given it my all to try to meet somebody and um you know it was just one of those things that i wasn't so i think they thought this is this is the right option for you because of that and the idea of of, of forming a non-romantic partnership with someone who could be the genetic father is yeah. an interesting idea that I'm sure lots of people think about. Did yeah. you explore that at all? So um, I, I thought about it, um, but the more I sort of looked into it and thought about it, the more complexities start arising around how will you actually do it? Would you start spending Christmases together? What involvement would they have? Um, and I think you could go into something with the best intentions, but would that, you know, would it be too complex? And also finding someone who who, who wants to do that. So um, uh, I just felt that it probably would bring up too much complexity. Uh, counselling, you have to have counselling mandatory, don't you, if you're going to use... And how helpful was that? Um, it's. I think the mandatory counselling is more just to check that you are suitable to be... You know, you're in the right headspace to be able to do this. Um, and I was really clear I'd given it a lot of thought and consideration so personally for me it it was um you know I didn't get much more from that but I think for someone who perhaps um is still more in the thinking stage maybe that would be more useful so how is that access presumably the counseling that goes with official sperm getting an official sperm donor is once you've already started down that track um but it might be useful for people to talk before they get to that point. Yeah, and, and that is exactly what I'm trying to provide to people because that is where there is a gap. So once you've already made the decision to do this, there is more support for people. But it's that step before where you're thinking about it, where personally for me I just felt like I was the only person in the world in this situation I just thought I look at my friends around me they're all meeting people if they wanted to have children they were on that journey and um and I did feel very alone that I'm the only person subsequently now I realize that's absolutely not the case and so it's about how do we get these people together so they feel they have some more support 
And it's interesting that you, you say that you started thinking at 30, because, of course, you know, as a doctor, you know, that's what I tell people, you know, your fertility does start to decline, and it's different for everyone. But retrospectively, having done this and being where you are now, would you have told yourself to do it earlier? Um, I think I wanted to give myself a, a really good opportunity to meet somebody and go down a more traditional route, if you like. So um, I really was, you know, trying to do that. Um, I think possibly what I would have done earlier is the first stage where you go to get tested to see if there is anything specific wrong with your, your you know, problems with your fertility, uh, because then you have a much clearer idea what your working with if that makes sense when I had my tests they said actually you, you you're looking really good for your age and how old were you then um 36 yeah um, how, how, how accurate are those tests Kiara um they're not they're not 100% accurate and you can everything can look completely normal and you can yeah. still struggle to get pregnant yeah. but obviously it's reassuring if all those tests come yeah. back saying everything's looking good yeah. for your age but of course it is still for your age and yes uh, because I've been speaking to women who have had the tests earlier and something has come up which is definitely going to put a challenge in so they're starting the journey earlier and so it is good that they have started looking into that at 30 because if they'd have waited till later they wouldn't have known that they were facing additional challenges because something specific and those challenges that you're talking about are uh, the sort of medical procedures exactly. to get pregnant whether yeah. whether you have to go down the full IVF route yeah. or whether you can do it in a slightly simpler way yeah yeah I think it'd be a good idea just to talk vaguely about cost just to kind of give people an idea because I mean yeah. I'm sure it's not a, a cheap process what what are the sort of vague costs involved um it, it it really depends because there's different types of treatment um, and there's different places you can go. So if you are going to one of the top clinics in London and having IVF, um, you are with a donor, you're, you're looking at possibly about 12 grand. Um, so significant costs. Um, yeah, that's a lot. In, in different places in the UK, um, it, it's not quite as much. And um, you can also have the um, IUI treatment, um, which is significantly less. It's really hard to give a cost because they are quite different. So just to explain the difference between yeah. that, for people might not know. So yeah. the IVF is where they're, they're stimulating your eggs, they're taking the eggs out of your body, fertilizing yeah. it in the laboratory and yeah. putting the fertilized embryo once it's grown for a little bit back in. Um, whereas IUI yeah. is where they're preparing your body for pregnancy and then inserting the, the sperm at the right time yeah. to hopefully fertilise inside your body. And I actually had a third one to add complexity called, is it ICSI, which is where they do even a little bit more than the IVF. That's um, exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, so all of those come with um, different prices and more and more people are also looking at going to clinics abroad because it's more affordable for them to, for, to do Well, and at the other end of the spectrum, you can buy sperm on the internet. Exactly. Uh, and that doesn't cost anything, but of course that carries quite a lot of risk yeah. with it. Do you know much about that? Um, what I do know is um, I work quite closely with Manchester Fertility Clinic, which is where I went, um, because they um, approached me after the treatment um, about helping them out with the solo mum um, audience to try to help get more of a community together. And um, so I've had significant conversations with them and they were explaining about um, the donors. And what I know is that at the clinics, they go through a significant process of 
all of the background checks of medical history, um, whether they're in the right place um, themselves. They understand that they could get contacted later on. So out of every hundred people who come in to donate, um, I can't remember the exact number, but it was really low, the amount of that, that actually are able to when all those checks have happened. So you feel in very safe hands when you're using the clinics. I think obviously, they often do genetic tests as well, don't exactly, they? Exactly, exactly. Whereas obviously if you're doing um, a, a more casual just getting it from somebody none of that has been done so you're open to any sorts of risks and also there's a very strict legal arrangement in place um, with with the sperm donor so when my daughter is 18 she will be able to access his um, contact details and contact him he's very aware of that and um, has signed up to be being contacted whereas if it's done outside of that process there's no legal arrangement you don't know and do you do you ever meet him yes so um so both of us could meet him and I felt that was really important for my daughter to have the opportunity so she knows growing up that she will be able to meet him. Um, Could you meet him before she's 18? Um, no, I, we don't get the contact details. I, I, I think that the only way is if um, we could contact him if there was like a medical problem um, through the official channels, but just to meet them, no. And what do you know about him? Um, so how it worked, um, I think it's different everywhere, but at Manchester Fertility, where I had my treatment, how it works is you fill out a questionnaire with physical characteristics about what you're looking for in a donor. There are some other things like religion, education, but personally for me, I feel like that's more nurture and how you bring somebody up as opposed to um, you know genetics. So you choose physical characteristics and then they... And how detailed are those? Um, it's like eye colour, hair colour, weight, um, size, uh, height, you know, just the, the basics. The basics, yeah. And, um, and then they provide you with two donors. Now, some people have been horrified when like, they're two donors because you see stories of people having a catalogue of 50 to choose from. Um, I feel like that uh, the way Manchester facilities do it is actually really good from a, from a stress point of view because um, I chose the physical characteristics. These two donors met those physical characteristics and they've both written um, two letters. So one letter is to me to explain why they've do donated and the other letter is to the baby um, to say why they've donated which is obviously just slightly different reasons um, and I read both of the letters they were both absolutely lovely and I thought both of these I could choose either of them so just picked the one that I liked the best. Are you given a name or no, not? No. Yeah no. so retains their anonymity. Yeah. And do you know um, whether there is a limit to the amount of sperm a man can donate? There is, and that's the other sort of benefit of doing it officially. So um, uh, my understanding is that they, they can donate to 10 families, so not 10 children because you may have multiple births, but 10 families. So um, my daughter Daisy may have um, 10 or a few more half siblings um, and then they stop it at 10 because um, there's too much of a chance that then if they're in the local area they might start meeting. Yeah. And in terms of cost, just to bring it back to that, I mean you obviously mentioned £12,000 at the top of the scale, yeah. um, but if you were just to buy a sort of vial of sperm yeah. from a you know from a reputable yeah. source yeah. Um, and thought 
I mean, could you just like get a turkey baster and do it yourself? Or would you need to go into the hospital? If you did it that way, what would the cost? I mean, what is the cost um, of sperm? So I th- um, again, my understanding is I think it's about a thousand pounds. You absolutely can do it that way. Um, I want to be honest, I definitely researched that option as well. Um, you can buy everything you need to. Um, you can test your ovulation at the, at the right time. You can do it. And that is still like a legitimate way because it's still you know within the guidelines of the of the rules and the sperm is coming from exactly. a, a source that has been tested exactly exactly um and then i think iui which is the one where they prepare it and and and, and put it in, into you um i think that's about 1500 pounds so a massive variety um and yeah a, a massive cost for people and how did you um find the process of that, did you did IUI in the end or I, no? I, I I decided to go straight to IVF because I to complicate my life. I lived in Budapest at the time and I was using Manchester Fertility Clinic, um, and I was so I had to fly back every time I I wanted the treatment. And I thought um, I I've been thinking about this for a long time. I've saved specifically for this. I've got enough money to try IVF. And from an emotional point of view, the percentage of success is so much higher personally for me I just decided to go straight to that so many women this is the biggest um, decision of shall I try IUI first because it's so significantly cheaper and lots of people it's happened for first or second time or shall I go straight to IVF because the percentage likelihood is um, is higher and I guess your age and the fertility test exactly. you've had will help you exactly. make that decision so the younger you are and if you have no known fertility issues then IUI is more desirable yeah. Sure. And how did you find the process of going through IVF from a physical, medical perspective? Um, I have to say it um, was harder than I thought it would be. It's yeah. um, it's like I've heard a lot of women talk about and just recently I think um, w- women have been in the press saying about the IVF process. It It's tough. It's tough on your body. It's tough emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's tough doing it on your own. You know, you have to take injections. And I remember I was in my kitchen, my hands shaking, taking the first injection. So um, these are injections that they give you before you, you actually have the IVF exactly. to prepare your body exactly. to produce lots of eggs yeah. to harvest. And I didn't realise how long the process would yes. be because all of that preparation time and preparing yourself. Um, so how long was it for you? Um, gosh, that's a good question. I, I mean, it, I think it was about three weeks yeah. altogether. Um, and then my um, I overstimulated from the um, treatment so I couldn't carry on with the embryo transfer. I had to free the embryos and then have the embryo transfer the following month Um, so that extended it again Um, so yes it's it's tough doing it on your own but luckily I've got a very good support network who helped me and how did that work with work I mean obviously it was really complicated for you because you were in a hardcore job you were living in Budapest did you talk to your employer did you tell them what you were doing and Um, I didn't I um, the clinic were really great at trying to minimize the amount of time I needed to be away so my um, employer are really flexible they are an example of someone who is really flexible and I said I needed a medical procedure and um, I needed to be in the UK I didn't actually have much time off work Um, I was in the UK and I was working from the UK during that time Um, the clinic let me get some of the pre 
procedures um, from the uh, doctor in Budapest because it's just standard things. So they minimized the amount of time I actually needed to be there. And although it is a really tough process, you don't actually need to be off work. Some people choose to. Personally, for me, I needed the distraction. So I just sort of carried on for, I had some time off, but for most of the time not. And my employer were really flexible. Yeah, I think that's, most of my patients say that they're able to work through it. It's just, you have to be in yeah. the clinic yeah. quite a few times. Yeah, and yeah. And so did you get pregnant first time round? I didn't. Um, I had the first embryo transfer and I took a pregnancy test and it was negative. And um, it took me longer than I thought to, to, to get past that. I had a really good feeling that I was going to get pregnant first time and I didn't and I waited a year actually um before I I tried again um and then you had embryos frozen yes it was going to be easier second time exactly so after the IVF I was very lucky I had three frozen embryos um the first one was unsuccessful and the second one is is my daughter Daisy um so the the just having a frozen embryo transfer is the easiest procedure I've ever experienced it almost doesn't seem real um you walk out of the clinic and think has anything happened because it's just such a quick process so it's very lucky if you're in that position And how was the pregnancy for you? Because obviously, you know, the majority of people experience this as a couple. Um, You were obviously on your own with a sort of added element of of that you'd you'd used a sperm donor, which in a way, I suppose, makes it a bit less complicated than, you know, as opposed to if you'd got pregnant with someone you knew and then you weren't together and they weren't sure about what their feelings were. How did you find the pregnancy? It was, um, I don't make life easy for myself. So I lived in Budapest. I moved back from Budapest to Manchester. I changed jobs um, and was working in London. So I was commuting on a weekly basis from London to Manchester. I bought a house which needed renovating. So I was renovating an entire house. And for the first three months was suffering really with um, bad sickness. So um, I, I think I had so much on that actually it, it it helped me so I was just so focused on getting everything ready um, I had really good support I, my friends and family were amazing they really were a help um, and once I got over the first three months and I was living back in the UK and the sickness had gone actually I, I quite enjoyed pregnancy and I was really excited and there were some nerves about how I was going to do things on my own but um, in general it was it was good what about antenatal classes did you do those I did and funnily enough out of everything throughout this whole thing antenatal classes were one of the things that I was most anxious about it isn't that weird I can't even explain why um but I because you're going to be thrown together a group of women who were pregnant yeah inverted commas normally yes and and I just thought how is it going to feel what are they going to think of me um you know is it going to be embarrassing and, and were you um, up front immediately yes so what I did is I phoned the um the the, the person the who was yeah. the teacher and said I'm feeling anxious about it I'm on my own I'm going to bring my mum if that is okay and she said absolutely no problem don't worry we'll make you feel both at home and so I instantly felt better and I am so glad I did them I speak to a lot of women on their own who don't do them probably for similar reasons and I have made the best friends Um, we're all in the same situation yes they um, have got partners helping them but so many of the things are the same so I'm, I'm so pleased I did do it 
And then during the birth itself, yeah. um, you know, there's always the birth partner. It's very yeah. often the, the father. Yeah. Uh, who supported you during your birth? It was my mum. And it was very funny because I said, right, mum, I'm going to interview for you for this position. Um, are you up for it? And because uh, she said it was, you know, she immediately said she'd help me. But in our relationship, I'm usually the one who's sort of in charge. And I said, I need you to be on the ball and taking charge. And she said, no, I will. So she passed the interview and she was amazing. Um, she um yeah she she helped me out no end i'm very close to her anyway so she was the perfect person cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So what was the birth like? Did you have a straightforward birth after the relatively complicated getting um, there? No, I did not. Oh. <laughs> um, the birth was, as I've heard many women say, um, exactly the opposite to what was planned. Um, so I had done um, daisy birthing classes, actually, and had wanted to go down a water birth route and hypnobirthing. And um, Daisy was just loving it inside me too much. So she was two weeks overdue, which meant I had to be induced, which mean, that meant that then I couldn't have a water birth and three days I was in hospital being induced and nothing was happening um and then I was started to go into labor I'd uh, for about eight hours of which the last two started to be significantly painful and a consultant came through and said this is probably not going to happen naturally um, um so you know, how would you feel about a cesarean yeah. so I had a and cesarean. so she arrived safely thank she goodness. arrived safely um one of the reasons that I was um you know not wanting to have a cesarean was because on my own it just makes looking after the baby later harder but luckily we'd already discussed that possibility and my mum was going to move in with me for the first yeah. two weeks just to help yeah. out yeah, you, so. do need, you do need more help definitely. yeah and they were brilliant and it was it went well and um yeah she arrived safely which is the good thing and how are you finding life as a single mum? Um, um, I'm loving it. Um, I, I, I think it's even better than I thought it would be. Um, I'm, I'm really loving being a mum. I think that I've, I feel like I've waited so long um, that when finally the moment comes, I was just, you know, overwhelmed with love. Um, there are challenges, so I don't want to sit here and say it's all amazing. Um, it's tough. It's tough doing it on your own. Daisy's how old now? She's seven months She's seven now. Months. Yeah. And um, I think I was I was breastfeeding, um, which means that um, uh, same as many women with partners, the nights I did all of them um, until she started sleeping through, which wasn't until six months. So the tiredness is the biggest um uh, the biggest issue and the loneliness but, I mean it's lonely being a mother even if you have a partner yes uh, because and you're suddenly stuck 
exactly and i think what i was explaining to people is it's the evening so you put the baby to bed and then you go downstairs and then you're on your own and so even though um i've got the same situation as lots of mums where you're on your own in the day then being on your own at night as well that that is the toughest part so it it can be lonely so how do you how have you coped with that what have you done any tips for people who Uh, might be in the same i have i've got loads of tips so um one thing is sort of reverse your day I do all my socializing in the day my days are packed full of socializing so that in the evening I feel almost relieved to have some time uh, to myself um I invite people around to my house so we do some socializing at my house so that you know we can we can carry on chatting um and I've also used I don't know if you've heard of mush um yeah so I've used um that app and have met some people through that so mush is an app that uh, introduces mothers and parents isn't it yeah they call it tinder for mums Exactly. And it's, <laughs> in and a I, non-sexual way. <laughs> and I'm an expert at, at online dating, so I, I loved it most. Um, and yeah, I have met some um, some new friends who are mums and um, some people also on their own, which is great. So yeah, just um, got a good support network around. And what about me. when the baby was really little? Did you did you just try and get people around in the evenings to keep you company? Um, I, I did. My mum was the main supporter, um, but yeah, friends really made an effort. I, again, it wasn't easy for me because I'd moved house. So, um, you know, it's quite a drive for some of my old friends to come um, and visit. So so it, it was tough, um, but I I really did try to utilise the evenings for other stuff. So, I mean, we'll talk about it, but I was starting the stalk and I, and actually that was a perfect opportunity to, to do some of the work yeah, for that in the evening. So I focused on that, which, which gave me something good to focus on, actually. And dating again? I am. Um, I went on my first date actually when Daisy was um, about 16 weeks, I think. Um, Just honestly to get out there and see what it was like. And I think um, it feels really different now. A whole pressure has just been taken off me. And now I'm just meeting a guy and seeing if we get on and seeing where it goes from there. So um, it feels so much better than it did with all that pressure on me before and do you, are great. you always really upfront about the fact you've had a child and mm. you've just sperm donor really upfront. so at the moment um the only real way for me to meet people is online dating because I'm not sort of socializing in areas where I would meet someone in real life really um and on my profile it's the first thing you say because you know you want to check that people are happy with that and you know I'm sure some people aren't and they won't get in touch but all the people that get in touch are are totally cool with it and a lot of people have said to me actually this this is perfect because you know there's no one else involved there's no pressure for them um it actually for quite a lot of guys it's it's a pretty good situation yeah I mean I've definitely um encountered and supported lots of women who uh, the biggest problem in their life is not the fact that they're a single mum it's the fact that they're dealing with their the father of their child and the complexities and the difference you know they want different things and then legally the father has um lots of power in terms of where you live when they're not together and I mean, I think, you know, you mentioned that you say that it's very straightforward, that there's no one involved. And and actually, I think that is a huge sort of pro. I mean, we I was talking to a group of girls who'd done uh, uh, the bump class and there was one single mum. And after their babies were born, they all got together and it got to the stage that they're all so 
pissed off with their husbands. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I just don't have this. And they were like, oh, bit jealous. <laughs> yeah, I, I got my NCT friends in trouble um, when I was talking about it before because they'd said the same thing to me. Um, and um, yeah, it, the, I think that is the massive benefit. Um, if, you know, it would be the worst scenario to just get with somebody because you want to have a baby and they're the wrong person for you and all sorts of compli- complications would happen. It's so much easier um, doing it this way. And it is definitely the biggest benefit because you get to choose everything yourself. No one else is disrupting the routine and you don't feel let down. I think the worst thing um, for some mums is um, what they've told me is their expectations are too high. And they said, you know, it's us. We, 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 not always then but they their expectations of what their partner will do is higher than the reality and therefore they feel frustrated whereas I know that it's me and there's no one to to let me down um or to you know it's all it's all on me so and in terms of the the feelings around parenting I mean it's Daisy's such a precious baby he's obviously taking yeah. it's taken so much emotion and uh, money and everything to get to where you are now yeah. everyone has days where parenting is rubbish yeah and the baby's screaming and you're thinking oh goodness why have I done this yeah uh, re- realistically have, have you ever yeah and and I I think I feel like I feel extra guilt when I feel like that because of everything yeah. I've gone through I think how can I now be thinking oh this is a yeah. terrible day I've um, patients who've gone through IVF yeah and, you know so often and yeah. it's no easier for them when their baby cries than no. it is for someone who's exactly. got pregnant easily and but you feel what, much more guilty yeah that's what you have to tell yourself and also I think because I've got these friends from my antenatal class you know everybody just shares what they're going through and it's all all the same so that makes you feel a bit better as well well I think sometimes if you've wanted a baby for a really long time and you've struggled to get there you keep on saying the world will be perfect if yeah. I get pregnant and then you realize that it has a whole new set of challenges that yeah. you hadn't anticipated and that's why the guilt is more yeah but just understanding that every person experiences that exactly and also you know if you've been through hell to get there and often you're slightly older of course it's going to be harder because you're juggling more balls and yeah yeah and when you're on your own you know it's um you haven't got anyone else helping out with any of the other things you know the practical things yeah. um so it, it can be tiring i think having a good support network in place is is critical um people say to me can you do it without a support network and i think yes you can uh, you know i've seen women do it virtually completely alone but it will just be much much harder and of course it's not ideal for the baby either you want the baby to have a big support network that's true and actually one of the one of the biggest questions with with sperm donors is or or single parents in general is the you know the importance of a male role model in that child's life or another person in that child's life at least who 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 they can learn from yeah Uh, is that something you've given much thought to yeah I think that's one of the things that's that's really key for me um I want to make sure that Daisy has um, some really good male role models. I'm very lucky that I have lived um, around the world and I've got friends from all over, really good male friends who I know will be a great influence in her life. Um, I'm very close to my brother, my dad, uh, my uncle. So I've got lots of male family members um, and lots of male friends who can teach her things, you know, different perspectives, different things for me. And that's really important for me that she spends a lot of time with them. And did you ever consider or have you considered considered 
choosing sort of one person like a brother or a best friend or an uncle who you have that conversation with them and say I'd love you to to sort of take on the mantle of of, of that male role model interestingly I've not chosen one person I've almost sort of split it down into different things so just a random example swimming isn't my thing I'm just not a great swimmer and I've got a friend who loves swimming so I said to him I'd love for you to really help Daisy with swimming because I know I'm not going to be able to so I'm almost doing it more on a piecemeal basis rather than just choosing one person yeah. to, to play Lucky that Daisy, role. she's going to have loads of, yeah. <laughs> loads of support. And presumably people are really honoured to be asked to be involved. I mean, I think I see lots of girls feeling quite guilty about getting people involved. But actually, like I, I was speaking to someone the other day who was kind of really needing a birth partner. I was like, God, if someone asked me to be their birth partner, that would be the biggest accolade. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I suppose not being afraid to ask for help. I think that is a massive problem for people in my situation because if you are planning to become a solo mum, the likelihood is you're probably quite independent to be thinking about doing it. Um, And asking for help out of a lot of the women I've spoken to doesn't come easily. Certainly for me, it doesn't. Um, I feel like I need to be super mum and do it all myself. And again, the additional thing, I've chosen to do this on my own, so I need to be able to do it on my own. It's that additional guilt coming back um so learning to ask for help is something that really is important and i 100 percent agree with you that i've lit up people's faces when i've said i'd love for you to help me with this and they they want to help and they they want to know how to help because people don't know the best way to help and so i i feel like i've had to learn to say do you know what would be really helpful if you could do this or you could do that and really explaining to people the best way they can help me and people have loved it and have you found it difficult letting go of some areas to allow people to help um I think it's back to more the the feeling like I need to be able to do it all but honestly I, I in the end I've had to yeah. because you just can't it do it all end, and and it? then everyone ha- is happy it works and you think okay this was the best decision so it's getting easier for sure um Obviously, going forward, you're a single mum, Daisy's uh, a single child, an only child. Um, Would you consider having another baby? Um, Yes, it's it's such a hard decision. I I would love to have another baby. Um, So it is something I'm thinking about. I do just need to think about... um, you know, will I be able to to manage? Um, I have got a network of people um, that I'm in contact with, many who have gone on to have second children on their own. So there are people out there who've done it that I've spoken to and got advice from. Um, At the moment, I think I need to, um, yeah, I'm I'm waiting and still thinking, but definitely something I would consider. And if you did, would you use the same donor? I would. The way it works is um, you can, you have access to, to that same sperm donor so that your child they'll be full brother full siblings um, which is really nice for them as well or presumably in your case you you have an embryo left exactly yes yeah Yes, and that that's you've got an embryo yes. left, so it makes it even well, more. And that's a whole other that's a whole other conversation is yeah. when you have an embryo frozen, yeah. ready to go, not using it. Yeah, there's an ethical dilemma there. Exactly, well, exactly. So it really is um, a big decision about yeah, it just practically can can I do it? Yeah, yeah. One of the things you talked about um, in the early stages is the fact that there was sort of no 
community you know you you took this decision and and you obviously found a great fertility clinic but there was no antenatal class specifically for it there was no online uh, community which you could ask for advice and just feel like you aren't the only person in the world doing it um obviously you've created the stalk and i which is uh, a blog website to give other women going through what you did exactly what you didn't have yeah. tell us about um tell us about the blog and, and what, what it achieves and how you support women going through the same thing so uh, basically when i was going through it i would have loved to know somebody who'd gone through it and just had a chat with them to talk through these are my concerns and and, and just talk through it with them um, and I, I didn't know anyone and then the second thing was when i was in the waiting room of the fertility clinic i could look around and see lots of women on their own thinking oh i wonder if they're doing it on their own but not wanting to disturb people when they're in the waiting room and when i asked the clinic for data privacy reasons they can't tell you who else there is and, and what they're doing so i thought to myself Do you know i'm going to start something myself to connect these women to give them that support so i created the stalk and i um, uh, I um, am a life coach, so um, I thought rather than the generic life coaching that I'd been doing, um, I was going to specialise in life coaching for women who are trying to make this decision. So I've subsequently met so many women. Um, the biggest thing really is helping them to make the final decision. People talk to me about how do I know no? So how do I make that really final, okay, I'm going to do this decision? Um, so, so that's the one thing. And then the other thing is just creating a community. So we've got a Facebook page, um, a, a Facebook group, which is closed just for women who are in this situation. And we've got women from around the world who join and say, oh, I found this community. I didn't know it was out there. This is brilliant. And asking all the questions, supporting each other through it. Such a positive, um, a positive thing and something that I would have loved as I was going through it which is why I set it up fantastic so you offer uh, I mean I've had a look at the at the website there's some great articles on there really lovely charting the whole yeah. journey you had through um the the decision making but also then the process of being pregnant having yeah. Daisy and then afterwards which I love but you also specifically offer one-on-one -on -one counseling for people yes. who want you know some uh, specific advice about their situation exactly and so um yeah I, I once people have looked on um on the the blog and seen the articles and chatted to each other if then they think that they would benefit from then talking it all through with someone that's what I can offer then chatting it through it is more coaching um, I can offer some mentoring advice because I've been through it but it is more trying to help them work through what their barriers are and how they can come to their own decision um, and then some women want to maintain that discussion throughout um, and, and there's different things that come up who should my birth partner be um, how do I tell work? How do I tell my friends? How do I react if people aren't supportive? Different things come up and I've helped people with different stages. Have there been many well. situations where you've advised people not to go ahead with it? So I wouldn't give advice to say yes or no, yeah. but I don't think it's, it, it's, I think it's dangerous advice to give. So I help them come to their own decision. Um, uh, so I, it, my role is to ask the right questions to make sure they've considered everything so to feel like they're coming to the right decision for them. Um, I would, uh, I would sure. not like to give people advice on whether to do it or not because it's, um, it's their decision at the end. 
And what about talking to Daisy about the whole process? Because obviously the majority of the children that she ends up at school will will have yeah. mummies and daddies. And um, presumably it's important to have this conversation sort of early on. How, how, how are you going to do that? So um, I have got a book. Um, there's a, there's a, a company called the Donor Conception Network and they've created a book called My Family. Um, and that helps you to explain to different age groups actually um, how... Um, the babies were created in all different scenarios actually single mums but also two mums two dads all all the different um and heterosexual couples who've used a donor um so i have got the my family book but what i'm doing is actually creating my own book based on the learnings that i took from that um and filling it with who is daisy's family so explaining where she came from but also you know the family is the friends that we've brought into our life who we love because they're awesome people and her granddad and grandma and um you know so just explaining it in pictures and as she gets older you can just add more and more detail in explaining a little bit more as she starts to understand and if she says who's my daddy would you would you describe would you would you call the sperm donor her father or just a donor no what what i um well, I'm, I'm still working through it at the moment, actually. But what I'm looking to do is say that to create a baby, um, you have an egg from a lady and you have a sperm from a man. And if you have a couple, then those two go together and a baby grows. If you haven't got um, the man and the lady, then you need to get a gift from, uh, in my case, a man who gives the sperm. And so the, the I'm explaining it to her at the moment that it was given to us as a gift from yeah. a man yeah. who in the future she will be able to meet. Yeah. And presumably the idea is that she doesn't ever remember the sort of revelation that exactly. she's, you know, that it's this all... This is just the norm that she's always growing up with and you just need to give her enough information so that when people at school ask what the situation is, she's got an answer she's really comfortable with. And presumably you'll tell the school too and exactly. they'll be aware so that yeah. they can kind of keep an eye and out. I think this is a good question actually because a lot of people I speak to, they're very anxious about how they tell people and my advice of what I've said to people is get two lines in your head that you can really comfortable with saying and then say that to everybody so I said um especially when I was pregnant people are like oh congratulations you're pregnant and I'd say yep I'm doing it on my own um because I was worried that if I didn't I'd lose out on the opportunity because I'm 40 next year or whenever it was and I just, I was very comfortable saying that and I told everyone and everyone was like, oh, okay, great. You know, no negative reactions at all. Whereas if you're nervous and you, it's hard, it becomes awkward to tell people. So um, yeah, get your two lines and, and, and be comfortable. Because of course with, with the sperm donor, it's quite different from an egg donor because often yeah. egg donors is, is a couple. Yeah. You know, there still is a mummy and daddy and there might also be an egg donor yes. or there may also be heterosexual couples who use sperm yeah. donors, but there's still a mummy and a daddy. And they so, may decide to, yeah, to treat and it that's Exactly. Yeah, may yeah. Or may not whereas I need to have a story for Daisy yeah. because otherwise, she, you know, there's a gap. Um, yeah. yeah, which, um, yeah, I'm really comfortable with. And I feel very comfortable telling other people and, and I'm trying to help women get to that stage of feeling comfortable if that's the situation. And do you think you'll encourage her, I mean, in 18 years time to, to try and contact her, her um, biological? I don't think okay. I would encourage her. I'll just be guided by her. So yeah. if it's something that she... Um, wants to do I'll absolutely support her if it's something that's I think some of it may depend on my uh, personal circumstances as well yes. you, I might meet somebody and she might feel like she has a father figure yes. or it's, it's so I'll leave it totally to her to yes. decide and just support whatever decision she makes yes.
That's right to have that open mind because it's such a long time away. Yeah, I know, it's hard to imagine. My, my, my opinion changes week by week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mel, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. This has been really, really fascinating and, and hopefully a really useful resource for people who are maybe in the sort of early stages of considering alternative ways to have a baby. In terms of support online, what have you felt as the, what are good resources, places, you know, internet sites, uh, websites to take a look at? So I think um, people um, who are looking um, to do this, the Donor Conception Network is a good place to, to have a look. And then I would advise people to go to the Stalk and I Facebook group because the amount of information from the people in there is is because I, I've done it my way I've used one clinic and I've had my experience but the collection of experience that those other women have got in there I would definitely advise people to go and, and have a look at that and then what I try to do on Instagram I do more of a, a day in the life of a solo mum so try to show this is what it's like warts and all um, and then more of the decision making um, the Facebook group will help them with things like that so and you're on Instagram where, where, where can people find you on Instagram um, it's the stalk and I with underscores be, be, um, between the words um, and we'll put the details in yeah so we'll put all the details find, yeah well thank you so much no for problem. being so thank generous and sharing your story and your experience as I said you know I think it's one of the greatest things of the time in our lives that people are talking about this because yeah. you know a generation ago it just wasn't the case and yeah. people would either be you know resigning themselves to not having the family that they desperately wanted yeah. or sort of secretly trying to sort something out hopefully this way people won't have to miss out yeah. well, we'll put all the details in our podcast notes but do check out mel's blog the stalk and i it's brilliant it's well worth a read um, whether you're considering alternative ways to have a baby or even whether you're just curious i was totally transfixed by your story it's uh, the stalk and Thank you also for listening to another podcast of The Parenthood. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us if you haven't already. Do look at our Instagram. We're at theparent.hood where you'll find photos that will make you laugh or potentially give you pause for thought, as well as information about what we're recording next. But in the meantime, from all of us here, thanks for listening and goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.